Hi friends, this is Jeremy from Homesteading Roots. This is Ad from Chapel Hill Forge. This is Missy from Homesteading Roots. This is Mandy from Chapel Hill Forge. So today, on this one, we decided to uh, change things up. Uh, this podcast is Missy gonna... decided to change things up. Me? <laughs> you picked yeah. it. I guess so. Um, this one's going to kind of tie into <clears throat> one uh, podcast that we did earlier uh, about loss. And this one is about uh, infant loss. Uh, both uh, Zad and Mandy and Missy and I have experienced uh, um, infant loss in our life. Um, so we're going to let Missy start off uh, with our story. In 2017, um, I knew I was pregnant. I woke up in the morning and had blood and I woke Jeremy up and I said babe I think I'm having a miscarriage um we probably should go to the doctor or whatever because I had never had a miscarriage or anything prior to that and didn't know you know I didn't know exactly how far along I was any of that stuff so I got him up um we went to Penn State Hershey Medical Center because that's where our doctors were at the time um we got there and the whole time I knew like I just had that like dooming feeling that you know this is we're losing the baby you know we get in there and um got into the waiting room and the doctor that came in was very nice and very um like reassuring and comforting and he said you know we they took my blood and I guess my my HCG CG levels were were lower than they should be. Um, he said, you know, you're starting to experience or starting to go through a miscarriage. Um, there's really nothing we can do unless you have complications. You're just going to go home and finish the process. And I looked at Jeremy, scared to death, like, what is the process? Like, ugh, this is the worst thing ever. That is way um, worse than... Yeah. yeah, he's like, here's some paperwork you know, take this home and read it. And if you experience pain or any of that, you know, give us a call back. So we went home and, you know, at this point we had three other children, four other children. And, um, we were just, we were outside in the garden doing something. And I just felt this weird feeling and I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna go to the bathroom. So I went up and went to the bathroom and I had passed, you know, whatever this clump of cells or whatever, you know, they, Consider it at that point. Right. Um, and I called Jeremy from, you know, outside and he came in and I said, I think we finished the process. And he's like, okay. Um, and then I'm like, what do we do? Like we cleaned up, we, you know, put it in a plastic bag and we threw it in the dumpster. Like we didn't really, you know, I just didn't really think through it or anything. Um, and then we went on with our lives, you know, of course we were mourning and, you know, trying to get through that. And then about two days later, we had been out with a friend shopping or whatever. We came home and it was when the house in Millersville blew up, mm -hmm. like the gas. Uh, I think it's Springdale Lane. Yeah. House. So Jeremy was a firefighter and um, we got back home. He said, I'm going to go and see if, you know, they need me or whatever. So he went. I started getting this pain in my side and I thought it was either like gas or a side stitch or something and it just kept getting worse and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take some ibuprofen and just go lay down. So I took some ibuprofen, went in the bedroom, laid down, 
couldn't fall asleep. I rolled on my left side and then I guess I fell asleep for a couple minutes and then I had this weird sensation. I sat up and I looked down and there was just blood everywhere in the bed and I panicked and like I got up and at this point I must have lost so much blood that I was like delirious. I went into the bathroom and I took all my clothes off. I couldn't get a hold of Jeremy. Um, I called my mom, which she lives in Millersville, and I was like, great, for her to get to me, she's going to have to get, go past all of this fire activity. Um, I called her and I said, I'm not sure what's happening. You know, she was aware that we had just had a miscarriage. And she said, well, I'll, I'll come down to you and we'll figure out what to do. And this whole time I'm trying to get a hold of Jeremy and I can't, obviously, because he's on the fire call. So my mom comes down and when she got to me, I was sitting on the toilet with the seat down, obviously, and but I was still naked. Like I was trying to get myself into the shower to get cleaned up so if I had to go to the hospital or whatever, I wouldn't be covered in blood. Um, so she came in and I was like sweaty and pale and whatever and she's like, what's happening? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, and she went and saw the bed and everything and she came back and she's like, I'm calling an ambulance. And I was like, okay, at this point I had so much pain, like in my right side that I didn't even care. I was like, fine, call the ambulance. Like I, I think I'm dying. Um, so she called, <clears throat> she called an ambulance. They came, they took me. Um, we told them in the ambulance, you know, like two days prior, we had had a miscarriage thought that we passed, you know, what we were supposed to pass. Um, they took us to women's and babies and took us into triage and the my pain like I couldn't even explain how much pain I was in um she said we're gonna have to do an internal ultrasound to see what's going on we have no idea what's going on so they did an internal ultrasound there was too much blood inside of me that they couldn't see what was going on so they took blood from me and sent that down to the lab and she said you know there's no doc this was like in the middle of the night by now she's like there's no doctors on right now we have to use the on-call or whatever so he'll read your results and um it'll probably be like an hour so at this point you know i had gotten jeremy was with me uh, my mom had gotten a hold of him or something and he uh, i had well, i was on the call <clears throat> the house explosion and uh they had told me that there was an ambulance being dispatched to my address at home um so knowing nothing they didn't give me any details so I basically said, well, I got to go home, did what I had to do. And that's, that's how I found out and got, got to the doctor. Yeah. So he was in there with me when they were like doing the internal and they said, you know, we're going to take the blood. We'll send the blood down to the lab. It'll probably be about an hour. <clears throat> Jeremy hadn't eaten all day. He was, you know, at that fire. So he said, do I have enough time to go home, get a quick shower, get a bite to eat and come back before like any decisions were to be made or whatever. She's, the lady was like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's going to be a little bit. And I'm laying there like, oh my God, like I can't take one more minute of this pain. Um, ended up like projectile vomiting like all over the room and it was just a mess. But um, Jeremy left and probably 10 minutes to maybe 15 well, I, minutes. Well, I made it home out of the shower and as I was sitting on the bed putting my socks on, the phone rang and it was this weird number and normally, you know, you don't... I don't answer a phone that you know, I don't know the number who's calling me, but something told me to answer the phone and it was Missy. Um, she was kind of on cloud nine and she's like, they're taking me back. They're taking me back. I was like, where are they taking you? And that was it. 
the phone went silent and I did about 90 from uh, Washington Borough to, to Women's and Babies. Yeah, they had told me, um, we don't know what's going on, but you're losing a lot of blood and we have to get you down to emergency surgery to see, to open you up, see what's going on. So I was like, okay, whatever, like, here we go. So they got me all ready, um, pushed me down. Nobody, you know, nobody was there with me, scared to death, um, which is so strange because when I got wheeled into the um, surgery area, there was a girl in there that I had gone to school with. We weren't real close in school. I mean, we knew of each other. And I guess she just, she knew what was happening, what was going on. And she reached over and grabbed my hand and knew that I was scared to death and whatever. And she just said, it's going to be okay. I'm here. You know, I'll take care of you. And then that's the last I remember. I woke up then and I remember my throat hurting, obviously, because, you know, the tube and everything was down. And I'm like, where's my husband? Where's my husband? And the nurse like gets in my face and she says to me, I just wanted to let you know that your baby had 10 fingers and 10 toes. And I was like, wait, what? Like I, at this point had no clue what had happened. You know, last I knew two days ago, I had a miscarriage, like what baby, you know, <laughs> what are we talking about? So then I'm like, where's my husband? And she's like, he's up in the waiting room. We'll get him or whatever. And seriously, like, I'm sure there was more time in between, but it seriously felt like she said that then Jeremy was in my face and like comforting me and then I was in the wheelchair being pushed out to the car and just sent home. Um, so one of the conversations that we did have was the lady said that there's like a shared burial that they do in Lancaster for like miscarriages and stuff and she's like if you sign this paper we'll have your baby you know put into the sh shared burial they'll give you a date and time you can go and they have this little ceremony and I'm like okay great because at this point I'm still in shock that like there was a baby like I didn't even know whatever I'm like okay so I signed went home um and as I'm recovering I kept saying to Jeremy I'm like I'm not sure what happened or what's going on but I can't let my baby be buried in the shared burial which there's no problem with that I mean that's just whatever but for some reason I was having every time I closed my eyes I saw like this little tiny coffin and I saw like it's kind of vulgar but I saw like umbilical cords hanging out of it and like half formed babies and I just could not get this out of my mind and I'm like I, I can't come to peace with this and my mom's like okay well then call the hospital and tell them you want your baby like you want whatever there is of the baby you want that so I'm like okay, can I do that and she's like well I don't know try it so I called women's and babies and they were like oh yeah absolutely you know we can call and get the baby sent back to women's and babies and you know at this point I'm still like figuring out what was happening what had happened is I was pregnant with twins and we miscarried the first one and then the second one was an eptopic pregnancy that had ruptured um so that was like the bleeding and the pain and all of that but you know I didn't know that until after the surgery and we that we were explained that so that's why there was then the second baby um so I had called women's and babies and said you know I I, I want whatever there is of the baby I want to do our own private burial. And they were like, okay, that's fine. We have to call so-and-so. So they called, whatever. They said, we'll call you back when the baby's back here at Women's and Babies. I was like, okay, fine. It was probably like maybe a day or two. They called and said, you know, your baby's remains are here. If you want to come pick them up, you know, that's fine. So I said to Jeremy, I'm like, the baby's back at Women's and Babies. We went to Women's and Baby. And at this point, I think, because I was beyond the 
healing part and whatever, I, as I walked into Women's and Babies, it was the worst feeling that I've ever experienced. It was like, you know, everybody around you is happy and they're taking their babies home or something. They're coming in to have a, a baby. And, you know, when you walk in, there's like the gift area for all the newborn babies and people are carrying balloons. And like, there I am standing at the desk checking in, like bawling. And the person behind the desk was like, how can I help you? Like, what are you here for? And I'm like, we're here to pick up our baby. And he was like, uh, you have a baby here? Like, what? What's, yeah, I don't understand. I'm like, we had, you know, we lost our baby. We're here to pick up the remains. Oh, okay. You know, go sit in this room. So we went in like the chapel or whatever. Um, sat down and the whole time, you know, I'm like sobbing, sobbing. This woman comes in and it was like, I'm sure that they thought that they were doing what they needed to do but it was horrible she comes in like pulls her chair right in front of me and jeremy has a gift bag with like tissue paper coming off the top and she like hands it to me and says here's your baby you know everything that you need's in there just you know take it and do what you plan to do and i'm like holding this gift bag and i look down and i'm like my baby like i still didn't even understand like was it a baby? Was it, you know, obviously it was a baby from the second it was, we were, it was conceived, but I had no idea like how to wrap my head around this. So we did our thing with her or whatever. And we just solemnly walk out of women's and babies with a gift bag in our hand. And, um, we get in the car and I'm like, what do I do with this bag? Like, do I need to buckle it in? Like, do I need to hold it? Like what? So I put it in the back and I buckled it in and I'm like, is this like the one and only time that I'm going to care for this baby? You know, it was just the strangest things going on. And plus like your hormones are crazy. You're still healing from surgery, all of that stuff. So we get in the car and we drove to my mom's house and I was like, mom, I don't know what to do with this bag. I can't take this bag home with four kids at home. They're going to think it's a gift. And like, what if I sit it somewhere and then one of them gets into it and I still didn't even, I didn't look in the bag because I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just, whatever. My mom said, I'll keep it here with me until you guys figure out what you want to do. I'll take care of it. You know, whatever. So I'm like, okay. So we left it with my mom. We went home and then we had gotten together as a family later and talked about it. And my dad had just recently passed at this point. Um, and I said, well, can we bury the baby with, pop pop which would be my dad and my mom said you know I'll talk to the church to see if that's something we can do and that's what we ended up doing so we went up and we just had a little family it wasn't even a service really I mean my brothers went up um it was my mom me and Jeremy and the kids and we just you know had a little burial of our own privateness there and when we took the remains out of the bag it was in a cute little like butterfly box where like when you the the top flapped open and then when you close the flaps it made like a butterfly and we just put that with pop pop and that's where you know we laid that to rest but the whole experience of it you know is it's some it's sad because I feel like infant loss is something that's not talked about a lot or people are like ashamed of speaking about it and it's something that really needs to be talked about and shared and processed through. Well, and you had a lot of people in that crossed your path during your, like, mine was very private. Like, we, yeah. and I'll talk about it here in a minute, but, like, we lost ours at home. 
We yeah. mourned together at home, and we were done. Like, you had to deal with, and I know everybody was just doing their job, I but, know. like, you had to deal with the chaplain lady, right. the person at the front desk, calling oh, yeah. the people, where's right. the baby, Ma has right. to call the church. Like, all <clears throat> these people have to be involved. Yeah. Like, we were able to heal from ours before I, like, shared it with the world. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to, like, be on broadcast to all these 50 people in between to get the process done. Right. That's, I mean, whatever. I'm not minimizing our experience, but, like, <clears throat> well, that's right. a lot. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, that's like we have friends down in Florida uh, that lost a child. And to this day, they still, you know, they still talk about that child as, you know, their own. Like, to this day, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, and it's... It, and it took me a while. Um, I never gave the babies a name. For some reason, I always felt that it was a boy and a girl. And I never really gave the babies a name, and I never really let myself process fully the loss or the fact that they, like, were our babies and now they're in heaven, you know. And then one time Mandy was like, "Did you, have you ever named them? And I said, this was a couple oh, years later. Yeah. Because yeah. I was only really freshly in the picture when this happened. Yeah. She's like, did you name them? And I'm like, No. And she's like, well, why don't you name them? She's like, I feel like if you name them, it'll bring peace. And I feel like it when was... we engraved it on the necklace that's hanging in your car, yeah, that was like... like the beginning of a lot of healing. Both, both of names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, both names. Like, she had made me this little, like, chevron, and I have all the kids' names, and then, in like... Order. Huh? In order. Yeah, in, in order, order and then, right, and then the the twins are, like, a different color of the chevron, and it, like, means so much to me this and honestly from that day on i had peace it was the strangest thing i just we, i never like we never really talked about it i just i thought about it at times and i was like oh yeah that's right you know we have two babies in heaven and but like from the second i named them it was like they were ours and like the almost like the loss was real which is silly but and it brought closure right exactly mm-hmm. like i felt at peace with it like they say the peace that surpasses all understanding like i don't know why giving them a name and now they have a name brought me peace i i can't explain that but yeah thank god mandy i don't think i'll ever forget standing it you know my glowforge was still in the basement at that time and i just had a shoddy little engraving shop and we made that little i mean it was fresh i I didn't even know what i was doing we struggled we never made one of those (laughs) no we never made one again nope Mm -mm. nope and it's the best thing like i thing will go to my grave with me <laughs> yeah all right zad my brother uh, a lot of people probably don't know uh about your your uh cancer um want to go ahead and touch on on that for us yeah so pretty much on chris ledoux song one ball man with my pecker in my hand <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh so <clears throat> 2009, I went from running heavy equipment in a mine to working in a composite shop building uh, helicopter parts for the military. And <clears throat> if you're asking what has Zad not done, the answer is nothing. Zad has done everything. <laughs> so, um, you know, running heavy equipment, it beats your body up, but you're sitting on a fairly comfortable seat for nine, ten hours a day. At least you think it's comfortable until you get out. Until you get out and you start yeah. moving. But um, I went from that to standing or sitting on a wooden stool in a composite shop. And, um, you know, it was one of those, some days got up and I was a little sore and 
I'm like, oh, well, I'm sitting on a wooden stool. Of course I'm going to be sore in certain regions. And uh, so, you know, as time went on, I, I was in the shower, and I'd be washing, and about double over in pain when I'm washing my groin. And I kind of felt my, my testicles, and I noticed that, like, one end was hard, but the rest of it was kind of normal. And I'm like, ah, it's just got to be inflamed, irritated from sitting on the wooden stool. Maybe I won't sit on it as much, or I mean, I'll try to get a, a cushion pad to sit on, you know, and um, it kind of, kind of, as it went on, it, it started being further and further that it was hard and the rest was soft. So I was starting to get kind of concerned and being a firefighter and an EMT, you self-diagnose. So went to good old WebMD, typed in signs and symptoms for testicular cancer and pretty much it, everything was hitting the nail on the head. I was like, well, this is going to get awkward, but here we go. <laughs> so I go down to the basement where my godfather, his office was. I said, hey, Dad, so I need you to do something that's going to be kind of weird and awkward, but I need your opinion. And he's like, what's that? And I dropped my trowels. I said, feel my left nut, feel my right nut. He goes, okay. And he feels and he goes, ooh, yeah. I think we need to go see the doctor. So I went to see my family doctor who, because where I worked was in a different county, I couldn't use him because of insurance purposes. So I went and saw him, paid out of pocket for him. He's like, yeah, but in order for you to get the script to see a specialist, you're going to have to go see this doctor. So I went and saw that doctor, some young hotshot doctor right out of medical school. And, you know, first thing, yep, testicular cancer, testicular cancer, you definitely have it, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, how do you even know? Like, my family doctor who's seen me since I was a kid's like, it could be, it couldn't be, but you really need to get some labs done. So he's sitting there, yada, 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 and, you know, chatting it up. Go in, get blood work at that doctor's office. Meanwhile, the nurses are arguing about which needle to use and this and that. And then a gal who came in who's a nurse who is one of my instructors for my EMT says, hey, is your birthday this? I was like, yeah. And she goes, okay, well, they have it wrong with the paperwork. I'm like, well, thanks for taking care of it. So then they, she leaves, and these are two other nurses. She's always got to put her nose in stuff. I'm like, well, frankly, because she put her nose in it, stuff is right. So why don't you just pick this needle, give me my blood draw, and let's go. Well, as I'm walking out of the doctor's office, I'm in the hallway right there at the waiting room, and this young hotshot doctor is like, oh, well, you know, guys your age, it's very common for testicular cancer. Thinking back now, I could have had one heck of a HIPAA lawsuit on him because he's discussing my medical history in front of a small town <laughs> in Lancaster God, County where I pretty much knew half of them. I wish I would have, but no, whatever. I'm not a Sue Happy kind of person. So Court of a message board didn't I just left yet, it, so yeah, you're in the yeah. clear. <laughs> I just left it raw off my back and moved on. I didn't I didn't even reach home before I had to turn around and go back to do more stuff. So I went and saw the, the specialist, and the specialist says, I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it isn't, but either way, we're going to need to do surgery, remove it, because if it isn't cancerous, it's just going to continue to cause you pain, and if it is cancerous, we need to get it out. So uh, went and did more labs, went, got scheduled for surgery, went in for surgery. They took righty and left le left lefty, and... Uh, they biopsied it and it came back as cancerous. Um, right when I was getting ready to go back for surgery, the doctor comes in and you know how they, they do all the checks, you know, making sure it's they're gonna take the 
the side that's bad and not the side that's good and all that. And God. the uh, the doctor says as as he's getting ready to walk out, he's like, "Do you have any other questions before we go in? You know, any requests?" I was like, "Yeah, make sure that uh, when you take it, I want it in a jar of formaldehyde." And he looks at me, and goes, "Why?" I said, well, "So I can set it up on my shelf, and when people ask, I can tell them it's my right nut." <laughs> and he starts laughing, and so he goes, typical. "He goes, well, do you have any other questions?" I said, "Yeah, make sure when you give me my prosthetic, it's a brass one." He goes, "What?" I said, a brass one. He goes, a brass what? I said, a brass ball. He goes, why? I said, I can say at least I got one brass ball. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, how can you be laughing and, and joking about this in this kind of time? I was like, it is what I it is. Like, it. why yeah. why cry over right. spilt milk? Let's just, you know, go with this. So I never did get to keep it. They had to biopsy wow. it. And you know, I didn't get to have a jar of it, it sitting on my shelf, which I was kind of bummed about. They never gave me a uh, brass prosthetic or prosthetic at all so now i got all this extra skin that's always in the way <laughs> in my ass. we uh, work around it just fine so talk about like um, this, how you kept some sperm just in so case. yeah oh, so yeah. before Gosh, I before i went in for surgery um they said that you know because of my my tumor markers i was going to have to go through some chemo um you know the <laughs> the so, so you know, because I was going to have to go through chemo, chemo can make you infertile. And I was a single guy at the time, um, wasn't married or anything, but I knew I always wanted to have kids. So we go to, God, where was it? It was like Philadelphia. Was it in Philly? No, yeah. it was Reading. It was up in Reading. Oh, yeah. Had to drive up to Reading with my godfather, who's a pastor. <laughs> you know, and if it isn't awkward Second enough... Second most awkward moment of your yeah, whole life. <laughs> if it isn't awkward enough, you know, you, you have to go in and rub one out and know your parents sitting out there. <laughs> oh, have it be a pastor that that's your parent while you're out there <laughs> trying to rub one out. Yeah. And they supply all the nonsense to assist you in rubbing yeah, one out. Yeah, but even that nonsense wasn't even that great. <laughs> I mean, it was just like... You didn't get to choose? It, was, it wasn't even, like, decent stuff. Oh man! Wow. So, um, so I got some on. I got I got a a decent amount from what they say, um, and I was able to keep some. And as what we joke on ice, and yeah, all my buddies were like, "Oh, they're gonna be little Eskimo kids, or they're gonna be you know freezer burnt. They're gonna come out with a really dark you know tan skin because they're gonna be freezer burnt." And so for a number of years, I paid to have my sperm. uh, Probably ten years. We only had them destroyed. After James, yeah. Um, so we we, I decided to keep it, and I paid for him to be at a military lockdown facility. Forty dollars a month. Forty dollars a month, so that I, if I wanted to have kids, I could. Um, so you know, it was that was rough. Um, so I remember standing in the mirror, and it looked like somebody had taken a lead pipe and hit me for three days. From my belly button to the top of my knees. I mean, I was black and blue and green and yellow and purple, from the tip of my to the to my <laughs> knees to my belly button. I mean, it was it was rough. They actually cut me right at my belt line and pulled my testicle and everything that was with it from my sack all the way up to my belt line. Um, I was sore as all hell, and it was. I mean, I was every goofy color bruiser was that was rough and this you know scar tissue that rips loose later was rough and all that but um chemo freaking sucks yeah oh my god chemo sucks um 
I went through two rounds of chemo. Uh, I go for a week, and then I would be off for two weeks, and then I go for a week again. Um, for a while, it was it was you know you go for the week, and like Monday you'd start, and by Wednesday you're feeling like shit and nauseous as hell, and by Sun you know Sunday you're starting or like Saturday Sunday you're starting to feel kind of good again, and wanting to be yourself and move around just in time to go back in again. And then my white cells started dropping, and so, um, so it was like, I go for the week, and then like, part way through the week, the first week that I wasn't going in, my godfather would have to come in and give me a shot, and if I remember correctly, it was like seven thousand dollars a shot, and what it would do it would uh, boost my bone marrow to produce more white blood cells. And I could feel every single bone in my body, every joint, everything. I'd use two canes to get from my bedroom to the bathroom, which was like 10, 10, feet, away, yeah. 10 feet away. And I could just lay there. If I laid on my back, I felt every single vertebrae. If I laid on my side, I felt every rib. And it just pulled it out of you. I remember being in the shower and washing my hair and bringing my hands down and my hands were covered like I didn't even see the color of my skin because I had that much hair in my hands um, so I went to a, a salon real close to home and I was like can you just buzz it off just take my goatee off take my head on my hair off just take it all off um, I had to be very careful not to cut myself so I went and bought this thing called head blade which is like a Hot Wheel car wheels with a razor blade because their claim to fame is you're not going to be able to cut yourself or nick yourself. And I just took off the rest of the fuzz that was there and I looked like a cue ball. I mean, I barely had any eyebrows, no armpit hair, most of my chest hair had fallen out, and I was just, you know, no hair at all, really. Um, Which is funny because now you're like the hairiest man on the planet. It's all like baby hair. It is baby hair. He's oh, got yeah. the soft because your hair is like twelve years old. Yeah, my hair right. is twelve years old. It's like yeah, yeah. I mean, I shave my head now because well, I got a skin yamaka, and I just can't handle that. The receding, I don't care. The skin yamaka, can't deal. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I went through those rounds of chemo and. You know, we we go down to Brandywine. The closest, so I lived in Lancaster County, and the two closest places I could go were either Brandywine Hospital, which was about an hour away, or Kennett Square, which was like an hour and a half away. So we would go there, and I just go through that nonsense. So years later, um, I end up meeting Mandy, and we just couldn't get pregnant, and I just figured, well, it's because I'm I'm sterile. I just I lost my opportunity through the chemo and um we decided to start looking into using my sperm and uh i'll let her continue that portion of it because she probably remembers the nonsense that we went through with the insurance that we had and how it's a christian-based insurance and how they're mm. pretty much telling I us that, about that whole mess that we can't do it that way because it's not natural even though it's my own sperm and her own eggs they won't pay for it because that's not the natural way yeah so before mandy starts uh so the listeners out there know are we cancer free today yes all right that's always I kicked its ass yes i guess we need to do a podcast on cancer at some point yeah yeah, yeah. 
so Mandy, if you want to go ahead and, and uh, go and talk about uh, your yeah. and Zad's. So when I met Zad, Bud was three, and we weren't necessarily trying or not trying. We just kind of figured, like, if we got pregnant, then great. And years and years went past, and we just figured, well, we're not going to have another one. We'll just be kind of early uh, empty nesters, and we'll travel and, like, do all these great things you can do when I you're... Got to have one by... Right. Do all the things that you can do when you're, like, kid-free by the time you're 40 or whatever. Um, and like Zad said, we had started to look into using the sperm that he had frozen. What well, was, like, all this nonsense. It was going to be so expensive. And literally, like, as soon as we started looking into that, um, I had... So we were actually going to Jeremy's cabin, and I got my period, and I just assumed I had a normal period. And, like, it went on and on and on. This period went on for 10 days. And Missy and I always say that um, I, like, passed our first baby in the creek that's by Jeremy's parents' cabin um, or Jeremy's family cabin or Which whatever. Which is one of the most peaceful places on Earth. It is. It really <laughs> well, is. Well, and, and was it that morning or later on the next morning? It was later in the week, the hummingbird. Yeah. Yeah, it was later in the week. This hummingbird came by and like I would get up really, not really early, but like seven or whatever and go out on the porch and like read my book or whatever and this hummingbird came past. So and mind we, you, this was like, way, like a mile and a half, two miles back into the woods. Oh yeah. Away from any... Nobody had any feeders out. <laughs> yeah. or feeders. No. Like for a hummingbird to be this far back into the woods... Yeah. Is very It rare. was crazy. Like I still like can picture that in my head. Um, you know, so at the time I didn't know that I was passing a baby. I didn't know that I was pregnant. I just assumed like I had this. We even debated like me going to the doctor before we went on vacation because we were going for like two weeks. And so anyway, I didn't know all this was going on. Well then we get back and Zad and Jeremy and I were standing at the island. Well we ended up going and getting you checked out because you're still yeah, so I had had my HCG tested, um, and I guess hot. I had it, you know what, maybe I had it tested right before we went on before, vacation, yeah. and it was super high because they yeah. thought it was twins, mm-hmm. and so, yes, I remember now, because yeah. on vacation, Missy was pregnant, like five mm-hmm. months pregnant with Sawyer, and I thought I was pregnant, so and we were like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Yeah, twins run on both sides. And so when we got back, I went and had another blood test, and that's when my HCG level came back, and it was, like, below five or whatever they say. Like, okay, we know you pass it. So, like, Jeremy and Zad and I are standing at the island, and we get this phone call, and, like, Jeremy and Missy had just experienced this, like, a year before. It was not even. So that was, like, super, so super fresh for them. And whatever. So, um, you know, at that point, obviously, Jeremy leaves and Zad and go upstairs. And we just, like, laid in bed and cried. And... Yeah, we... I remember going out to the shop. And Jeremy came out and consoled me. Mm Because we both kind of just went our separate ways just to kind of soak it all in. And Jeremy came out to the shop and, you know, gave me a lot of... Not to sound weird, but love. Brotherly Mm -hmm. love. And then I came back in, and you and I just kind of laid in bed and just... Well, and I knew right off the bat that I wanted to name the baby because Zad's sister has lost three babies, and she had named all of them, and Zad's mom had just talked to me about how kind of healing it was for them to name them. I was there for my sister's first pregnancy because the dad was nowhere to be found, a deadbeat, didn't want nothing to do with it, wanted her to abort, and she wouldn't. So I kind of went through her first pregnancy, the stillbirth. I was there. I helped cut the cord and all. But that didn't prepare me at all for my own. 
And like, man, that one wrecked us for a while. Mm. Um, and we've now had two miscarriages and the second one, Mandy, like Mandy's never really seen me cry much at all in my life. No, probably time, like was, three times. I was, a, I was, a we were a wreck for a while, like probably a good month. Like Missy said, like it really took a while to just like accept it. You know, you go through the whole grieving process. Um, so we, when we lost the second baby, which, so we, we lost that baby and then they said, you know, you should really give it a few months before you try again, which I always think is comical. I'm like, we're still gonna have sex, like whatever you want to tell me. But so then we got pregnant with Jameson. Jameson's pregnancy was hellacious. I had pups. It was the worst. If you don't know what that is, basically your entire body itches like the worst poison ivy you've ever had in your entire life. And Sounds I like literally- misery. Ugh. I like laid on the couch, like coated in oatmeal, and it was. We so, tried every. Oh, Missy made all so kinds of brews oh and rubs and whatever. It was the worst. So, well, I, like, I couldn't even yeah. just touch her, like, just to like, oh, hold awful. her or like. Put my I just hand cried on her because say, I was I was I in so you. much she pain. But you were puking too. Oh, and I was puking. I was so sick. But he was the easiest labor ever. I had him in the living room. I birthed him standing up like a giraffe. He fell out on the floor. No one even Head caught first. him. And that completely started the whole story of Jameson's mm-hmm. life. He is a wild animal. Um, so we had Jamie, and then um, we got pregnant pretty quickly with Zuzu. So they're like less than two years apart. Zuzu, I actually wound up having in the hospital because she just was not moving. She was two weeks late. I had a beautiful experience at the hospital too. And then... Much better than your first ever experience. Yeah, my first experience having Bud at the hospital was hellacious. Um, You know, and there's a good gap between... So Bud and Jamie are 10 years apart and then Bud and Zuzu are 12 years apart. So um, then we got pregnant again. Like I was pretty... We were going to have like two babies under two um or or less than that at maybe like at 20 months and we were only maybe six weeks along and I knew the signs at this point like I knew that we were going to lose that baby we would actually be having that baby this February um and so I talked to my midwife and she was like yeah I would say that's probably what's going on keep me posted whatever Fortunately, unlike Missy's experience, mine were super early, like four weeks and six weeks. So mine was literally like just blood. There was no, no nothing like that kind of trauma. Um, so, you know, we lost that baby. And honestly, at this point, I don't know if there's like a timeline for secondary infertility. If you don't know what that means, basically that means you've had successful pregnancies in the past, but you're not getting pregnant now. Um, so we've been trying now since we lost that other baby, which would have been in um i don't know last what's nine months i don't know april or something so you know also for you you always got pregnant when you start losing weight right and i lost you know i've lost almost 100 pounds in the last year so you know the other thing that could be going on is just that i've lost a lot of weight and just a complete like diet change and i'm exercising regularly and all that kind of thing which is a good thing but my body is just kind of regulating so we are actively, haha, actively trying to get pregnant. Um, and I hope that there's going to be more. I've always probably wanted like six kids and, you know, we're at three, so we're halfway there. Um, but yeah, I would say at this point we're kind of experiencing. She says there's three seats left in the excursion. So right. Hell yeah, there is. I got three Unless more seats to fill. Unless starts driving and then she can do. Then four. I could have seven. <laughs> so that's where Zad and I are. Um, so babe, uh, are we done? <laughs> done, but not. Right. So I guess the process of deciding um, when you're done it has been a struggle for me. Um, my last three pregnancies, 
actually all of my pregnancies. I was to say, Mason were, was probably the gentlest. Yeah, oddly, were a mess. I get preeclampsia, and it gets to the point where I'm usually like right around thirty-five, thirty-six weeks, and it's a life or death situation. Um, Bean was pretty rough. Bean was rough. Thirty-three. Yeah, he was. He was my earliest. He was thirty-three, and that it took was all all the kids for a while for you guys. Yeah, thank God for that and Mandy. Um, who? Wow. And he was my. I had a C-section with him. Um, he was in the NICU for a while, so that whole experience was just kind of made me decide that okay, I've I've had my time. I put my time in. I tried. Um, you know, four four pregnancies, and I have four children here earthside um i need to be happy with that and you know going with that but that making that decision is hard and i still second guess it at times and you know i'm creeping up on 44 so i'm not young anymore spring um, chicken according yeah, to the so, hospital well exactly yeah, yeah i was right. geriatric pregnancy geriatric with, i, I can't was with, with sawyer um, my midwife said you can very safely have babies into your 40s and i totally agree with yeah that. My, my mom's best friend had one at 50 yeah so I guess just, you know, coming to the de- to the decision that we're done. Would I like to have another child? Yes. I love babies and all of that. But um, You can snuggle Zuzu. Yeah. I, I'll leave that to Zad and Mandy. Um, <laughs> they can take care of that for me. But live vicariously through us. Right. Um, I don't know. I guess it was, it's kind of, I'm dead set on, yes, I'm not having another baby. I can't do this again. I'm getting old to, oh... Should we, you know, many, I might many be late. hands make light work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at. We're pretty sure we're done, but yeah. don't ask me twice because you might get a different answer. But that whole time. pregnancy test thing, I mean, like oh, we're, yeah. you know, I, Missy thinks she's going to be a couple days late and like she's kind of hoping it says no, but kind of hoping it says yes. And like mine's freaking like three days early and I'm like, okay, just kidding. Not even going to take a test this month. Yeah, we, last month, I guess, I don't, I don't know, call it a scare or whatever. My... I was I had gotten some bouts of like nausea and which I normally think your don't boobs get. hurt too. Yeah, my boobs hurt and yeah. just when like don't the <laughs> just like the normal, you know, early pregnancy signs. So then we had gotten a test and Jeremy and I drove down to the old dollar store. They at like did. They 10 sure did. At night. It was classy. Um, yeah, it was. And uh, you know, I took the test and like in my heart, I was like, please be positive, please be positive. But then again, I was like, no, don't be positive. Don't just be the worst. Positive. And you know, I would have been happy. Either way, I mean, I was happy that it wasn't positive, but then I was kind of bummed that it, when Jeremy's like, okay, well, what are you telling me? Like, do you want to have another baby? I'm like, no, yes, no, 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 no yes. Me yes me right, right, no, I don't, I'm I don't so know, confused. no. You're I, flipping I, a coin with double heads on it. Right, <laughs> I'm like, I, let's just not talk about it because I don't know. So, that's basically where we're at. All right, so. Um, so, I guess the other question means that you came from this lifestyle. Is adoption or fostering something that you we've talked we've talked a lot about it um because i know that kind of is a a a warm spot soft spot for you Mm -hmm. yeah uh, i would love to adopt um but you know where we're at in our life right now it's just not feasible but it's definitely not out of the question um you know there's there's a lot of kids out there that you know, need a loving home with two parents that care for them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely on the table. Um, and, uh, it might hopefully one day, you know, if 
the higher power says, hey, this is this is what you should do, then that's what we're going to do. Um, but with that being said, uh, just a little story, and then we'll do our closing thoughts. Uh, my, You're such a pastor, Jeremy. Sorry. <laughs> my, my dad uh, was married prior to my mom now, um, and his wife um, was pregnant with twins. Um, it was time to deliver and um, she had died from giving birth as well as the twins and I always take that story and um, apply it to my loss uh, of our our twins and you know dad didn't give up yes he he lost he mourned um, but he kept going and he he met my mom and if it weren't for them to um, I don't know where I'd be because, you know, they, they, they chose not to, to conceive children, um, after my oldest sister, Jamie. And so I was adopted. They were foster parents. And, you know, like I said, I, I don't know where I would be, uh, if, if mom and dad didn't get together. So, uh, my closing thought is, you know, we all, we all go through loss whether it be, you know, a loved one, uh, a friend, uh, even a pet. Um, and there's a time that we mourn and there's a time that, you know, we all let it out and we all got to figure out, you know, it may take days, it may take months, it may take years for us to, um, let our loss out to mourn and, um, to find closure so just know that there's people out there that are you know on your side that have a shoulder and ears to listen um to help you go through your your morning and and come to a a, a close on your loss well, so and you know and girls could probably weigh in on this a little bit more but this is something that our parents our grandparents and their parents is something you're almost to be ashamed of and not talk about and keep it hidden away and tucked back into the back of the closet and you know it, i feel like it's a little bit more talked about and opened up about but as evil as, as, as facebook can be yeah. i feel like facebook helps because yeah. you're like oh i'm not the only one right but yeah i mean just just with mandy and i you know we had so many people because she was bold enough to put it out there and show her her feelings and her colors of what we went through and so many people reached out to her either privately or publicly and said oh my god thank so you many. for having so much courage and braveness to bring this up i've i've held this to just myself not even my husband knows until just now that we lost one and have carried that burden by themselves with nobody knowing and so you know don't carry that burden by yourself you know reach out to friends loved ones to let them help you carry it yeah and a interesting you know just little tidbit to add is um we named the babies evelyn and elliot and evelyn was the name of jeremy's dad's first wife mm -hmm. like i knew that um yeah hmm. so that's that was kind of how we you know, oh, and we, I don't know if I mentioned, we had named ours, we named her Emma. Mm -hmm. And then, interestingly, with our second loss, 
We actually didn't well, name that Mandy, one. Mandy felt for sure that it was a girl, the first one, and her dad felt the same way, too. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't name the second one, and weirdly with the second miscarriage, I didn't feel like, I guess, not to sound like whatever, but, you know, I kind of already did it. I knew how to grieve it, and it was a much faster grieving process, mm-hmm. and so we just named that one Baby Leggett number yeah. six. I mean, yeah. the first one you felt strongly that it was Number five, girl. just kidding. That was, it was a girl, and your dad felt strongly the same way, and the second one... And I'll always wonder if that yeah, one truly was a twin. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because, you know, she's Emma, and then we have Elliot. I know. Yeah, Evelyn. Especially so because E's. how high right. your levels what's, were with the first one. They, what's the fourth E? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, we all we all find closure in our own ways. You know, like, I, I found closure, you know, in our twins. Now, you know, like, Dad, I, I don't think that's, that's another <laughs> long, long talk. But, you know, I haven't... I haven't had my closure with losing my dad yet, and I'm sure I will at some point and sometime i'll I'll have my closure but like i said just just know that you're not alone and uh you know find your avenue to or your or your group of people that you know you can talk about it you know zad and i are are <clears throat> we're we're it's instilled in our heads from the fire service you know talk about it don't don't bottle it up because you know there's there's bad things that happen when you just bottle it up and it replays in your mind and and things like that so just know that there's there's groups out there that you can talk out talk to reach out to um well i mean um, it's been 24 years since i lost my dad my brother and mm -hmm. some days it's fine and other days it's it hits hard you know so i know exactly where jeremy is i mean i was 14 and laid up in the hospital having to go through it a lot by myself um but, you know, luckily enough in the fire side, in the EMS side, I've never had flashbacks or bad dreams or anything. Mm-hmm. So any other closing comments or no, anything I like think. that? Poof, that one was thick. Yeah. Missy yeah. said she wanted to do a thick one. Well, here it is. There it is. Laid, laid it, it all out for you. All right, friends, uh, stay tuned for our next uh, episode, and uh, we'll hear from you soon. And as Missy says, bye, friends. <laughs>